Hello, everybody. Welcome again to another episode of Contextualize. As we're walking through Acts, it's AJ and Jim again. Jim, how are you doing today? I'm good. You said we're going to do Acts 13. I did. And so I'm still reading Acts 13. <laughs> no, I've been reading it for a while. I'm looking it's at a long last... chapter. It's a long chapter and there's a lot in it. Yep. Complex. So we're going to jump into that in a second. There's a lot of phenomenal things about the church and stuff. So thinking about the church, what I thought would be enjoyable is to ask AJ where he went last week with his family for a vacation as well as other things. And how does that relate to your view of the church? Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's an interesting way to ask that question. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I was in Orlando um, this past week um, for, for the whole week, got to take uh, my wife, Krista, and our kids, and um, been going, uh, went down for class, uh, which I had um, just one class this time down at RTS Orlando. Um, How frequently have you had to go? I, this is either, I should have looked back, this is probably my sixth or seventh time, but I've, I've basically gone every six months, every January and every July. Um, there's one or two that I, this past summer we didn't go cause COVID and then one of the Januaries we had a baby. And so it was the, the timing of that, but basically been six or seven times over the last three and a half years. Okay. So, but this time was really neat, um, because I had one class and just one, normally I have three. And so I was only in class for a little bit of the time. And so we got to make a vacation out of it and enjoy Orlando uh, while we were there and got to show campus to yeah. the family. They got to meet some professors and classmates. So, so why don't you up? So most people know that AJ has actually is the, has been at Christ Community for many years as a member and as an engaged participant in the body. Then over the course of the previous uh, nine years, seven eight years, what were you were you on staff with Crew while yeah being for a, yeah I, I was on staff with Crew since two thousand eleven. Okay. Member here so, since 2009. So from 2011 10. forward, you would often work out of this building with mm-hmm. your campus staff. Yeah. Um, and then in God's providence, he led you to transition toward uh, doing that part-time because you were going to do seminary. Yeah. But you're still doing seminary, but you're not with crew anymore. Now you're a pastoral intern at Christ Community. Yeah. So why don't you just give us an update of what... What's like? What what is like to what are you studying in school? How many hours are you? How far in your degree are yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I started um, in seminary in uh, May of 2017, um, and then so at this point I've got I think it's 76 out of 106 credits, so um, just about 30 left. You're um, an accountant guy. <laughs> Give us the statistics. I, I, come I, on, come on. I may or may not have a spreadsheet. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I'm pretty sure it's 30 left. Um, I just, uh, I'm finishing up this week the class that I was down there for, which is polity. Um, and so looked at book of church order, elders, deacons, uh, Presbyterianism, you know, different things like that. And then I'm starting um, this next, well, I'm, I've technically started it, but I haven't started the work in it. But uh, my, my new class is Theology of Worship, uh, which I'll take over the next uh, month and a half or two months. And so um, a lot of, kind of the way that I found works well for me um, is, is just taking one class at a time most when I'm when I'm able to just take that one kind of focus in on it um, get it done quicker than you know a normal semester uh, but I just get that done and then move on to the next class uh, rather than trying to juggle different ones at the same time because I've got you know stuff here um, with, with church and used to have stuff with crew all, all that uh, this other stuff to juggle so it, you know 
just kind of helps to focus on that. So what's it been like to have your studies, your academic theological <clears throat> preparation studies aligned with pretty immersed experience in the local church? Yeah. Um, things w- that we're asking you to do for your internship, but also just your, you're an elder at Christ community. So has there been overlap or what's yeah. it, you know, which is the big distra- distraction from the other? Or is <laughs> that just depends on the week, I think. <laughs> Uh, I mean, you know, I, I probably I shoot on an average day to spend um, about two hours a day with the school stuff, um, but I don't know how many average days there are. You know, sometimes that's more, sometimes it's less. That's a good word. Um, but it just depends on you know, it's kind of a seasonal thing. Sometimes things here at church are busy. Sometimes I've, you know, you got an exam and you know, a paper. Mm-hmm. Like I had a paper that was that I got started late on um, a month ago, and it was due at the end of the week. And I'm like, well. Got to get cracking I'm on this and do it all day. That's right. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I think one of the neat things has been, um, and, and this was true with crew stuff too, but just seeing how what I'm learning and engaging with in the classroom, it like seeing it applied or, you know, some context or some conversation coming up in, in real life, it's quote unquote, um, where it applies. And, you know, even some of my polity class has been helpful um, this week. And I'm excited. You know, we've been, you and I and Bill and Clinton have been meeting once a month over the last, I don't know, three months, four months to kind of do liturgy planning um, a month ahead of thinking about our worship. And now I'm taking this worship class. And I'm excited for how that's going to help me even think more um, deeply about what we're, we're doing there. So, um, yeah, I, there's there's a lot of kind of little things that intersect and little conversations that well, one thing that you have that's rare, and this will be just my last either comment or even question, uh, it's it, it appears rare to me, is the church you're doing your internship at is a church you have a long history at. And yeah. um, yet a church has experienced a lot of changes in recent years. So it's not like this goes back to your childhood church. It's not right. a very um, monolithic experience. There's been a lot of um, transitions and growth at Christ Community. And, and, you know, Pastor Bill's here now. I mean, um, a lot of changes. We, when I was in seminary, we were doing a more traditional model. We were up in Chicago, but mm-hmm. when God led us to the church where I did my internship, that was transformative mm-hmm. to all of a sudden be in a local setting while studying. Um, yeah. That connection, one without the other, would have been very empty. Yeah, it's so helpful, yeah. necessary even. Um, yeah, yeah, and that's and I, yeah, I'm super thankful just for the and the weekly opportunities where, where we'll meet, where, you know, weekly opportunities with community group and, and teaching opportunities to preach and um, just opportunities to interact with different folks. But um, it's been a blessing, not only as in kind of ministry development, but just for us as a family mm-hmm. to be here um, throughout this time and, cool. um, and be in this community and growing here. So it's very cool. Well, we're thankful that you're doing it. Thankful for the role you're playing now. We know God has his plan for you and Krista and the girls, he's got a design, um, and we're just thankful to be a part of it. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. So, well, lead us, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lead us into Acts 13. Yeah. Using seminary additional contextual content to make <laughs> us... Did, did we tell you what the Greek says? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you say Hebrew, we're done. <laughs> well, we'll be in trouble there. Um, yeah, so Acts 13, uh, you know, and I thought today, uh, you know, we'll shoot to get through the whole chapter, and obviously... We'll, we'll just kind of touch on a couple of the things that happened, but just really starting out, I mean, this is um, Saul, um, it's Barnabas and Saul, but we generally think of Saul and Paul. It's his first missionary journey. Um, and he's, he's got three that carry throughout the book of Acts. And so we see that beginning 
uh, here at the very beginning, where in the church at Antioch, prophets and teachers uh, were gathered. They were worshiping, and the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work I've called to them. And then they fasted, they prayed, and they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Now, one thing I find fascinating all this is the next verse says, So being sent out by the Holy Spirit. And you just see this um, this intertwined are they being sent out by the church? Are they being sent out by these prophets and teachers? Are they being sent out by the Spirit? Yes. Mm-hmm. All of that is going on there. Um, and so they go, um, and you know the, the first uh, section there, verses 4 to 12, talks about them in Salamis. And then verse 13 to the end, they're in Antioch in Pisidia. So another city named Antioch. Um, and I looked at a, at a map beforehand just because that's helpful in the book of Acts. Um, and so this is like in Turkey um, or Galatia, um, if we're thinking kind of biblical times. Um, but we basically what we hear there is Paul's sermon um, that actually sounds quite a bit like Peter's sermon. It totally Acts reminds two. me of Acts 2. Yeah. <laughs> um, very, very interesting. But um, just let me just say this, and I'll, I'll start us out with this. Um, one of the things we see here in this chapter, and I mean, we see all throughout the book of Acts, but they're, they're on this missions trip. Uh, trip isn't really a helpful word, probably. Um, they, they, they're sent out on mission to go proclaim the gospel, plant churches. That's what they're doing. That's what the Spirit has set them apart for. Um, and that's what we've seen all throughout Acts. Yeah. The, the word of God's going forth. People are coming to believe. Churches are being established, right? Um, and it, I, I was just noticing in this passage how who the church is or what the church is and the work of mission are not separate. Right. Right, like the, like the church in its nature is a mission. It's a missions group. It's it, it's yeah. on mission. It's it's there so to, maybe to a reach church others. that has ten percent or so, maybe more now of our budget that we would say we give to missions, uh-huh. domestic missions, campus missions, uh, global missions. But our we are a missionary movement of God's Holy Spirit in the hearts of the disciples of Jesus that are seeking to disciple the nations, that are seeking to disciple our neighbors, that are seeking to declare the gospel. Mm-hmm. And that's what you see, yeah. that when they get sent to this new place by the Holy Spirit, by the church, they immediately pre- proclaim the word of God in the synagogues. Yeah. And it's it's more of the same in the next place. Uh-huh. Right. And that's, <laughs> I remember when we were going through this as a community group, um, I mean, just when you get to this section, it's kind of like, oh, and they came to another city and the same thing happened. Yes. They kept doing the same thing. And some believe and some don't. And, you know, usually uh, that escalates and then they they move on to another city. Well, I would liken it to parenting. So as our kids each getting older, get older, here we go again. We just did this with a different one. The child's different. The situations are different. Mm -hmm. But our calling is to disciple our children as unto the Lord. And um to, to help them walk in the fear and admonition of the Lord and to model repentance and to have discussions about the, the, the affect of sin and the relational consequence of it and the call to holiness and God's kingdom coming to earth. Here we go yeah. again. And so there's, there's sort of wash, rinse, repeat over yeah. and over, and you see that in the history of the church as well yeah. throughout. Well, let me, do you think, just thinking of this, um, do you think the church has to be a church on mission? Like is that is that necessary for the church, or even you know what what does that mean for us? If we would be obedient, yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Jesus yeah, yeah. tells us that all authority has been given to him, and he sends out his disciples uh, to disciple those who would disciple others. And so, 
to live on mission, uh, the proclaiming of the gospel, the believing of the gospel, serving others so they can understand the nature of God's graciousness to us in spite of our not being as holy as we are. Um, that's that's who we are. Now, mm-hmm. we worship God as those who have been rescued by our Creator who is our Redeemer, but we speak of Him and we introduce Him and we incarnate His work through us wherever we are, which means yeah. that we're we're sent there right. with the same mission that His Son had, with the same mission the disciples had, with the same mission that those who've gone before us have had. So, yeah, I mean, it's... It's core to who we are. It's very, it's very sad that churches are often one or the other. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, we, yeah, it's a both and. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're a worshiping missionary body. Right. Yeah, and it, you know, it's an interesting way to put it. Of, it's sad that churches sometimes are one or the other. Um, I think we could say that we have to be, uh, it, like, to be obedient. To go back to what you said, we have to be a wor- faithfully worshiping community and a faithfully mission missions community right but like we, we need to be doing both those things if we're to be faithful to what god has called us to well church. and if you could go way back into the you know the old testament and if you use even god's the rhythm in which god even would judge uh his people they would experience the consequences of sin we think of them being sent out of their land Book of Jeremiah 29, um, I am doing work in you. You are my special people. You mm-hmm. are to be worshiping mm-hmm. me. You're not to be turning to the gods of the nations. But I've now uh, brought consequence on your actions. So now you're in a place that's not your home. And while you're there, seek the welfare of the city I sent you. Pray to me on its behalf. Mm-hmm. Um, you, let me use you where I have placed you. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, when the promise uh, is given to them of David, you know, the king of kings coming from the seed of David, well, he's going to be the king of the nations as well. Yeah. And right. so there is no divide. They go together. We don't yeah. get fenced in. Um, we are the remnant. We are the set apart. There's something different than the church, than the world as far as the church stands. There's, there's a dividing line. Mm-hmm. Um, crossing that line is mission. Standing mm-hmm. together as those who've been saved in worship of our saving Trinity God is worship mm-hmm. right the nations don't worship yeah. those who don't know god yeah. don't worship so we speak to them of that right. which is worthy so yeah they go together yeah that's good um so i think just for for our time um we'll, we'll skip past that first scene unless you got anything you want to share there um but they paul gets they, they get to pisidia and all of a sudden at, at this point um as luke's writing he starts saying paul instead of saul so it's just right. kind of interesting here, um, but again, he gives this sermon, you know, pretty similar to what Peter preaches back in Acts two. Um, but I think just one of the things that stuck out to me as I was reading through this is just the different ways people react to the gospel, different ways people react to the word of God. And I'll, I'll just point to some of those. So, verse twenty-seven. Uh, this is in the sermon. He says, "Those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not recognize him nor understand the utterances of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath." fulfilled them by condemning him. He's speaking about Jesus there. And so um, there, there's this not understanding, not recognizing, because um, even though they were familiar with uh, the Word of God, uh, verse 42, as they went out, uh, the people begged that these things might be told them the next Sabbath. So there's some people that are just literally begging that, that they want to hear more. Give us more preaching. Give us more of God's Word. Verse 46 Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, since you thrust it aside 
and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. So some thrust it aside. And then uh, 48, uh, when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. So just a vast spectrum of belief. Oh, by the way, Paul is just, he's loaded. This guy's always able to speak with such wisdom and, and directness. And he doesn't say, like, I judge you as unworthy of eternal life. Like, you judge yourself. You judge yourselves. <laughs> like, you know, you don't want it. And so I, I don't even have to argue with you about yeah. your own rejection of that, which I'm telling you, you, mu- you must accept. Yeah. And that's that's such an interesting, because he, he links their judgment of themselves with whether they yeah. receive or don't receive yeah. the word of God. And I think that, that as you talk about the different responses, what stood out to me is this whole time that Paul preaches. He has a trajectory. He has an aim. He knows where he's going. And as we do our sermon work prep, Bill and AJ and I meet every, uh, is it Mondays, right, usually? Um, And just look, we're a couple weeks ahead. We talked about that a few podcasts ago. And one of the questions we'll ask is, is in light of the passage we're preaching, you know, how is it structured? How do we see the gospel on display here? But what's the aim Mm-hmm. of the text, of yeah. the author writing the text, or whatever the case may be. And in this case, as we look at this passage, the sermon from Paul, I think the aim is in verse 39. The aim of all that he said, and for 38 and 39, let it be known to you that this man, through this man Jesus, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and by him everyone who believes is freed from everything mm-hmm. from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. Yeah. So you have the Gentiles are, are stoked to hear this because they've been told that the law is not for them, that yeah. they're outside of it. So they can't know the holy rescuer the way those inside the confines of the law know. Those who are aware by the guilt in their conscience, they just can't keep the law. They're just not holy enough for the holy God of all eternity. Yeah, They get to rejoice when they realize that by Jesus is keeping the law for them and paying the curse for sin, they can be freed from everything they've been enslaved to. And so yeah. the, the vast spectrum of responses is, is ultimately, I think, a, a reaction to the purposeful nature of what Paul's preaching because he's been sent out as a missionary and he's going to speak boldly, yeah. whether to those in the synagogue or outside the synagogue, but his message is one of free salvation mm-hmm. in Jesus. Yeah. So it's a, it's a pretty... Yeah, it's very bold pretty and, summary. and pointed what he, what he says. Um, what... Thinking about this, I was thinking about our kind of where we're going in First Corinthians too. You mentioned we're a couple weeks ahead, but um, you can think about this for for you in preaching, because uh, right, you 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 look out, you see people kind of reacting in the moment as you're preaching, or you get comments afterwards, that kind of thing, um, or think about you know if somebody comes in, visit or whatnot, or or you know maybe just think about some of our listeners as they think about engaging with the word word of God with neighbors, friends, family, whoever. Should we care about their responses to the Word of God? Like, how do we weigh that? Or is that something? I think we should absolutely care because we can be confident that those whom God is calling to himself will respond. And we should delight that that means his gospel is on the move. His kingdom is powerful and hearts will be changed by his spirit. And that's in Acts 13, 48. Right? Mm-hmm. All those who yep. are appointed believe, believe. And so therefore we can have confidence in what we do. Yeah. Flip side of that is... You and I cannot and should not be seeking to create the response in the hearer. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you joke and say, well, people will come talk to you after you preach. Well, only the people that want to say nice things, you know. Uh, (laughs) You know, people, 
not every sermon I preach, am I even satisfied as I wrestle with the text of Scripture? Different type of communicators are not everyone's cup of tea. There's all these personality differences. Uh, we were listening to a podcast in our house this morning, and my 10-year-old daughter <laughs> said, Hey, Dad, this guy's so much easier to understand than you are. Um, thanks, Oria. Uh, that's true. I have a lot of work to do to be as clear as I want to be. So should we care about communicating the message clearly? Absolutely. Mm, mm-hmm. Should we care about the response of another that we don't have the power to control? Not so much. Yeah. Um, and so Paul has people revile him personally. That's right yeah. there at the end of verse, uh, is it 45? That um, they, yeah. they, they tried to push back against the message he preached, but they reviled him. Yeah. I have had people revile me. I'm sure others who are in public places of leadership in any sphere, obviously they're people that revile the character of the leader. The enemy wants a preacher to care deeply about what others think of us. Mm. And the enemy wants us to think we have power to craft the response in the heart of another person to the gospel of God. I don't have that power. Yeah, You don't yeah. have that power. Right. We have the power to declare the gospel of God. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit governs the response. So even an imperfectly delivered sermon that clearly is rooted in the foundation of the scripture's teaching of God's law, his holiness, his gospel, his being our creator, his being our redeemer, how he works, God will use that. Mm-hmm. Um, should we pine after, and we go back to our first part of our conversation, you're studying in seminary. Should you care about how you handle God's word and the hermeneutic and how you understand the languages and how you, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. That's why we totally. labor with, we right. did this morning for an hour with Bill and you and I. Like, yeah. well, What's the most faithful way to preach this dense text from 1 Corinthians 9? We should care. Yeah. But we shouldn't care so much as we think we have the power to dictate. Yeah. And that's a that's a gift of freedom. Yeah. Yeah. And you I don't want to keep speaking too much, but you yes. did say when I look out, um, I've preached in larger venues with bright lights to the front of the stage or whatever. And and maybe that's sometimes required like at a PCA General Assembly or whatever, you look out because it's a you know, it's a it's but oh my gosh, when you can't see the people to whom you preach, it's just, it's, it's sad. It's not the same thing, <laughs> right? I'm blinded thing. by yeah. these. I love that in our church building, I can see everybody who doesn't want to hide behind a pole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I will tell you, there are different responses every mm-hmm. single week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We were speaking with our church staff this morning that our two services feel radically different. The personality is different. The needs in the homes are different. The, what people hear, their, their pathway and their discipleship preparation and where they've been in the week, it's different. Um, you see people's faces that are earnestly believing or wanting to believe the gospel. I see tears in people's eyes every week. I see Sometimes I see apathy. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I see exhaustion or I see my wife wrestling with a child saying, you know, end the plane, Jim. I lay in the plane, Jim. Stop talking mm-hmm. so much. This is hard for me. I see all sorts of stuff. Yeah. This sort of evidence that God will cause those who his spirit is in to hear his word is so encouraging. Yeah. Um, there will be people that are set against the message of the gospel, but that doesn't mean in the end they're against the gospel. Yeah. And, and yeah. I don't have to know. Right. Right. So. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's so good. And, um, yeah, I think for... I think it's helpful to think um, about as one who's normally listening uh, to the sermons, not not giving the sermons. Um, th- this chapter can be helpful and just like, man, like I, I can think about my own reaction in, in the day in, day out, week in, week out, 
of am and even you know there's times where i need to look at things like this and say god would you give me a hunger give me a greater hunger give me a greater attention give me uh, more desire for this because i'm distracted or um, sin is clouding my mind whatever like there's something um, kind of causing me distraction um, but I also think, and you know, thinking about some of our listeners, um, who probably most of our listeners aren't preaching, uh, I would guess. Um, you know, I think one of the things that keeps us as as believers from engaging family, friends, neighbors with the gospel, with the word of God, is fear of their response. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think if I were just to speak personally, I think a lot of times it's more their refer- a fear of their response to me, not a fear of their response to the gospel. Right. Although it may be cloaked in that um, and part of it. But I, I think just hearing you talk about it, that there can be such freedom in being able to talk about this message, to to proclaim this message, to speak of Christ, to, to, to speak his word to others and trust that God is sovereign. And those who are appointed to eternal life will believe mm-hmm. and that that's what his spirit's doing. Um, but there is a freedom in that. And that freedom is is very helpful, even necessary as we engage others. So super encouraging. Um, in most of my life, I, I need to be reminded that the results are not something I can control. Yeah. Yeah. And I I would say that that's definitely true theologically. And we know that, but then there's pressure in pastoral ministry of how are people responding to that, which our church is doing that, which our elders are leading in. But it wasn't until about 10 years ago when I started doing some of the work outside the church in the nonprofit realm, I would, I would make a proposal to a large corporation or I would write, a grant or something and once you hit send or once you walk out of that conference room it's not in your hand <laughs> well here's the misnomer or the, yeah. the the false thought is really wasn't ever in my yeah, hands yeah, i'm yeah. not on the committee yeah. that you decides what they yeah. do right i yeah. had to present a cogent clear case of that which we would do if they were to invest in this particular social initiative or whatever the case may be um we live under sort of this mirage of our control of functionally anything Scriptures are very clear that we don't need to be discouraged or doubtful because if there's anything that's sure, the people God calls to himself will respond to his gospel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those who are going to bask in his mercy will bask in his mercy. Yeah. Those who are going to reject him are going to reject him, not you. So if anything I do in my life, actually the thing I can have most confidence in the results being positive is the kingdom of God will prevail. Yeah, yeah. And, and stop. Yep. it's not my job to know how that person or this person is going to respond, but it will be an effective yeah. interaction, engagement, so long as the gospel is that which is being preached. And so um, it's the most sure thing I can do in my life, even though across my life, God hasn't asked me to be entrusted with pretty much any of the results of anything that I do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's freedom there. Freedom. Absolutely. Man, well, I'm excited for our next couple weeks of First Corinthians. Oh, First Corinthians, <laughs> man. Read 8 and 9 yeah. if you're a Christ community participant. I just encourage you to read chapter 8 and 9 many, many times over the next three weeks because it is loaded for us. Amen. All right. Well, until next week. You got it.